let's be real. Lawsuits are no fun, but with Paulson and Nace, at least they are a little easier. With two DC-born partners, Paulson and Nace will fight for you the way only a Washingtonian could. Paulson and Nace handles medical malpractice, wrongful death, and other complex injury cases involving negligence. So if you have been hurt or lost a loved one because of someone else's mistake or negligence, call Paulson and Nace for a no-obligation consultation. Visit www.paulsonandnace.com or call 202-463-1999. Today on CityCast DC, the 911 call center is back in the news after flooding that killed 10 animals at a doggy daycare on August 14th. The dispatcher error delayed the emergency response. It's not the first time that's happened. Veteran journalist Dave Statter has been covering the call center's troubles for decades, and in this interview, originally aired in February, he tells us why it's such a mess. It's Tuesday, August 29th. I'm Michael Schaefer, and here's what DC is talking about. Dave Statter, thank you for being here. My pleasure. So the city's 911 call center, it's been in the news a lot. And I think in the history of 911 call centers, they're only in the news when the news is bad. There's a lot of jargon involved, but can you explain why, like, why should we be paying attention to this story? I've been covering the 911 center in just 911 in DC for about four decades, first as a TV reporter, and more recently as maybe I guess you'd call a, an advocate journalist. And my concern is that they are not doing the job, that they're consistent systemic problems that have been around for years and haven't been addressed. And it was being noticed because I was uncovering where there were 911 mistakes, 11 of them in a little more than three years. And that's pretty significant. Six of them under the current acting director who previously run DC 911 or the Office of Unified Communications for five years and was now trying to get the job back, serving as an acting director for a year. But most recently, her job did not pass council muster. The council said they didn't have the votes to confirm her, and the mayor eventually withdrew her nomination. Her name is Karima Holmes. Wait, mistakes? What what kind of mistakes? How did people wind up dead? Every 911 center makes mistakes. The problem we see in D.C. is they make mistakes and don't seem to learn from them. The same ones seem to be happening over and over again. Things like delaying calls for various reasons, bad address, not noticing that a call needs to be dispatched, not paying attention to what the caller is saying, not reading the updated notes that are in the call. They even do things like not answer the emergency radio channels when DC Fire and EMS is calling and asking for help. I've documented that happening, you know, probably getting close to two dozen times. All right, this is amazing stuff. Let me back you up and be wonky for just a second. The agency overall, this it's called the Office of Unified Communications, which like at first blush seems like a like propaganda agency or something, but it's, <laughs> um, but it actually, it, it oversees these things. Can you explain what this agency is supposed to do? What are its actual responsibilities? How do these calls work? In the early days of 911 and through a couple decades, most police and fire departments ran their own separate 911 systems. In this case, and throughout the country mainly, they have unified communication center where they put all the police, fire, EMS, and here in DC, the 311 call center into one agency, which is the Office of Unified Communications. It was created about 17 years ago. Created 
unfortunately, because of some stories I did, and Pat Collins at Channel 4 here in Washington, and the Washington Post did back in the late 80s and early 90s, showing problems with the old 911 system. What has disappointed me is that the system that they created did not make things better. It's been a problem since its inception, and it's just been getting gradually worse. And I would say that it's in crisis mode right now. So if I'm calling like about my car registration or something, it goes to the same agency as if I called about a heart attack. Yeah, it's the same agency, a separate part of that agency. They don't mix the emergency and non-emergency calls, but it has the same director who runs both. So you were part of the reports that blew up the old 911 system for being inadequate. They roll out a shiny new system. How did we get to this point? <sighs> Neglect. I don't think people understand what 911 is. I don't even think they understand what a unified communication center is. And this includes the council people. I think the biggest problem, the overall problem, is the success of councils and mayors through the years thought the answer to everything was technology. And they got them the latest technology and spent a lot of money on it but they didn't focus on the people. They didn't focus on the training, good middle management, good upper management, and making sure you hire good people and pay them well. They don't pay them much. They need to pay them more. When we talk about first responders, these are the first responders. They're the ones that are gonna answer your call first. I make the case that DC's Office of Unified Communication, or DC 911, is the public safety agency in the region that has more impact than any other on the health and well-being of the public in the Washington area. So these conclusions you reached about the people, is that more or less where the, uh, I know the DC auditor had a report that was pretty scathing. Is that more or less where that report wound up? Pretty much, yeah. What the audit found is that the 911 call takers and dispatchers aren't using the technology that they should be using to help them do their job. For example, there was a call the other night for a, a crash on 14th Street Northwest. Unfortunately, it was sent to 14th Street Northeast, but if the call taker had bothered to look at their screen, they would have seen that Rapid SOS showed them that it was coming from Northeast, and they should have said, even if the person said to them it was Northwest, say, uh, are you sure you're not in Northeast? Do they actually give them any training about like the map of D.C. so that you, the, there's some things that any of us Washingtonians would know. Like if someone said, you know, I'm on 99th Street Northeast, we'd know there isn't one. Do they give them the training like that? They give them geography training, but it's been a sore point for years. I've been on this for a long time. And this issue of them not knowing the city. Years ago, a half century ago, I took 911 calls in Prince George's County when I worked for the fire department in my youth. It seems like another lifetime ago. We didn't have computers then. It's a whole new ballgame. But I, the most important thing is we knew the area where we worked. We knew the roads. We learned them. It was part of the job. You needed to know the landmarks. You needed to know the exits on the interstate highways. My experience is many of them who take 911 calls and are dispatchers often do not know this information. So if you don't know where you are in D.C., Unfortunately, many of them who work there because they can't help you. And if you call 911, you're lost and they can't help you because they can't identify the landmarks you're describing to them. We've got a problem and it delays getting help to that person. And it's happened many times where they messed up on the geography and it's caused a delay getting help to someone. It's time to get dressed up, DC. So Others Might Eat is having its Young Professionals Network Spring Soiree. That's to help 
raise funds for homelessness in D.C. The gala is on the evening of May 17th at the National Museum of Women in the Arts. There will be live music from DJ Heat from the Washington Wizards, photo booths, food, and even a special appearance by a former actor from Pretty Little Liars. Wow. There will also be a canned food drive, so be sure to bring a few cans to support Sum's Food Pantry. Grab tickets before they're gone at sum.org slash spring soiree. That's S-O-M-E dot O-R-G slash spring soiree. See you there. Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Let's talk about one case. There was a, a particularly horrible case this past summer where two children died apparently because of 911 issues. Can you walk us through what happened there? Let me just correct you if you don't mind. I will never say that they died because of 911 issues. And that's a common mistake. You'll never be able to prove that somebody died because 911 was neglectful. We can say clearly there were mistakes surrounding both of these cases. One involved a newborn just probably two days old in Southeast Washington. The, the child was seven Shatsman Chase, was in cardiac arrest early in the morning. Mother called 911, said, I live on Savannah Terrace Southeast. Instead, they sent DC Fire and EMS to Savannah Street around the corner. Luckily, and this happens many times, an ambulance crew, paramedics riding down the street from a further distance, saw the other address in the notes and went right toward that address, which lessened the delay a little bit. But they should have been there within a couple minutes. That didn't happen. They lost at least two and a half, three, if not four minutes because of this mistake. And this child was in cardiac arrest. So these are not the first mistakes you've reported on. Are there others that you know about that, that stand out to you? Yeah, every one of them stands out because they seem to be mistakes that could have been prevented. The one, though, to me that is the most horrible involves a woman named Sheila Shepard. This was on June 5th of 2020. Her 13-year-old daughter called 911 to say her mom had collapsed. The call taker, to her credit, instructed this 13-year-old girl, Maria, to do CPR on her mom. And they told her help was on the way. They lived then at 414 Oglethorpe Street in Northeast. And that's the address the young girl gave them. Unfortunately, the dispatcher made a mistake and sent help to 414 Oglethorpe Street Northwest. DC Fire and EMS get to the address in Northwest. The people there say they didn't call 911. DC 911 quickly realizes their mistakes, sends other units to Northeast, but a smart fire officer said, I'm already on the road. This was during COVID. My guys are already suited up. I'm really just eight blocks away, even though the other unit technically is closer. And he went anyway and made sure his crew got there to try to make up for this delay. But it was too late. Sheila Shepard died. That's part one of the problem there. You know, they made a mistake. It does happen. People are fallible. But it's how DC handled that mistake. I learned of it within a couple of days of this happening, within two. And I reported that this and another case had occurred where DC 911 sent DC Fire and EMS to the wrong address. We didn't know why in my stories. I didn't have enough 
information at that point. And either did the family. Later that year, a national publication called Communications Daily followed up on some of my reports and sent in FOIA requests, Freedom of Information Act requests. And somehow they got the 911 call through that because normally they don't hand those things out, even with a FOIA request, but they got it. And when it was published, uh, suddenly we got an answer. And we finally learned after five months, and the family finally learned, that that little girl didn't make the mistake, but 911 did. And I have to wonder, if you're the director of DC 911, how could you leave the family of this 13-year-old girl hanging for five months, not knowing for sure that she did right? Oh, my God. Unfortunately, after that, that 911 director, Karima Holmes, within three weeks announced she was leaving 911, left the city for a year while that audit was being done about her time there. The audit came back, a rather scathing audit, and the mayor decides to reappoint Karima Holmes. And to me, the most disqualifying thing of a list of things that I could give you about the five years she was in charge previously is the Shepherd case. To me, it's as cruel as you can imagine to leave that family hanging. And Rima Holmes issued a public apology, but she never reached out to that family. What steps has the city government, the D.C. government, taken to try to fix stuff? Well, for a year, they had an interim director there when Karima Holmes left, and a woman named Cleo Sabido. And she had been working there and had worked in Washington State. And from what we could see, things started to improve. Radio channels were starting to be answered. There were a lot less mistakes or fewer mistakes on addresses, a lot fewer duplicate calls where they send multiple units to the same address. It's a common problem with cell phones, that there's so many calls come in for one incident. So things started to improve. I thought they were on the right road. And, you know, there was a long way to go. The audit even said that they got great cooperation from Sabino, but that wasn't good enough for the mayor. And she didn't like what was going on for some reason and brought back Holmes. Now, on Holmes's return, there was a follow-up to the audit by the office of the DC auditor. And they said that all the recommendations that they had listed, there was very few, if any, that were being followed by Karima Holmes and her staff. And a lot of what Sabino had put in Holmes changed and brought back her people and started changing things back. So it has been a real struggle since her renomination was withdrawn to get a head for this department. Well, they haven't had enough time yet first to do that. But the truth is, more than two years, they've been out without a permanent director, just an acting or interim director, first Sabino, and now we're going to be looking for another interim director and then try to do a national search for a, a permanent director. And it's going to be hard to get one. Hey, so if you were in charge of the search, what qualities would you look for? A 911 director who's run a big city agency. But I think there's more that's needed than just a director. There needs to be a look at 911 and understand why a series of directors who've come in since its inception have been unable to straighten that place out. And it has serious systemic problems that need to be addressed and they're not being addressed. And I'm not sure that even bringing in a good, solid director with a good background who's done this for a long time in a big city environment, I'm not sure that they can fix it if the underlying problems aren't addressed. And I'm not sure what all of those are because I'm not on the inside. Let me ask you a question. Say you are the one making the 911 call. Is there anything you can do to make sure things go more smoothly to avoid mistakes? Absolutely. Know where you are is number one. You need to Realize when you're driving down the street, 
Drill yourself occasionally. What is this road I'm on in my commute every day? Do I really know it? Do I know a landmark along the Southwest Southeast Freeway or I-695, I-395 in DC, which is very confusing, even to fire EMS and police and 911? Do I know exactly where I am? Can I describe it to someone? That would be helpful. If you're walking on a trail in DC or biking down a trail in a park, notice the landmarks. If there are mile markers down, notice what they are anything that can help identify them and state clearly where you are. There have been people from bicycle groups and outdoor groups who have worked with 911 through the years to try to improve their areas being covered by 911. They've worked with OUC. Maybe it's helped a little bit, but still see those problems occurring. So I'm curious, how did you wind up becoming the go-to reporter on this issue? What about it captured your interest? Yeah, become the reporter of record, it seems. I was frustrated. Starting about five or six years ago, when Holmes took over. It happened, and I thought it was a good thing. They fired the previous 911 director who wasn't doing the job. This is in 2015. They brought in Holmes January of the year later, and I started watching very closely, and I would see problems occurring, and I would tell my reporter friends. They liked the stories, but nobody really understands 911, even in newsrooms. And we couldn't get it past the Washington Post, many of the TV stations and radio stations in those early years of me doing it. I finally said in October 2019, I got to step out of my role as just being a watcher and I've got to start reporting on this because nobody else will. And the thing that probably really sent me over the top was the August 2019 deaths of two people in a fire in Northwest Washington. It took four minutes and one second for DC 911 to dispatch the fire department to this call on a Sunday morning when nothing else was going on. And Karima Holmes told reporters and the council, there's nothing wrong with four minute turnaround time on a call for the fire department or for a building fire with people trapped. She defended it and I said, this is ridiculous. And I looked into it and found mistakes that were made and even found information that was withheld from the DC council. So I started to write about it and it kind of snowballed from there. Hey, Dave, let me ask you, have you ever had to call 911 for yourself? Many times, many times. Not just for, myself, just for myself, but also seeing things in the district and elsewhere. Are you worried that if they find out who you are, they might not send an ambulance? <laughs> I did have an incident in D.C. <laughs> while I was doing this. And now I think, look, let's put something on the record very clearly. The people who work at D.C. 911 don't go into their job each day saying, I'm going to make a mistake that makes the worst day for somebody even worse. I, they don't go into it. The problem they have, again, is not good training, not good management, they're not paid well, not good upper management, middle management, good standard operating procedures. All of those things are lacking. I don't blame the individual people that work there. And I think there are enough still good people, professionals who do their job there and try to do the best they can. They may not be equipped to do it, both from having the right policies and procedures or having the right bosses above them. Dave Statter is a journalist and public safety advocate. Dave, thank you, thank you, thank you for joining us. My pleasure, really enjoyed it. And before you go, here is some quick news. Only 2% of unhoused young adults who receive city services, that's 18 people total, were actually housed in the 2022 fiscal year. This is despite an infusion of vouchers meant to help people find places to live. D.C. has been more successful at housing families. Also, Chipotle Mexican Grill must pay D.C. over $320,000 for violating local child labor laws. 
The district found over 800 potential violations of child labor laws at Chipotle over the past three years, including having minors work after 10 p.m., more than six consecutive days a week, and more than eight hours per day. Chipotle says the settlement is not an admission of guilt. It continues to deny the allegations. A 17-year-old girl was killed in a stabbing at the 14th Street McDonald's this weekend. A 16-year-old female suspect has been arrested in the killing. Additionally, on Friday and Saturday, two 18-year-olds were shot in unrelated instances. These murders bring the number of homicides in D.C. to 175 this year. And that's all for today here on CityCast DC. If you enjoyed the show, tell everyone you know about it. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Bye.